Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Levi. Yes. Good morning to everyone watching online and to anyone who's visiting with us this morning. It's such a privilege always to, to share with you and especially on this important date on the Christian calendar, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. It's such an important date in the life of a Christian. And I, I heard someone say that if, if Christmas is like the Christian's New Year's Eve, and Pentecost is like the church's birthday. Then Easter is, is like Memorial Day, Independence Day and President's Day all at once. It's kind of, it's got them all thrown in together. We don't celebrate President's Day uh, in, in Australia, but you get the idea. So I would like to um, read from John chapter 20. So if you've got your Bibles with you and... Let's have a look. That's not functioning. Seems to be my thing. So, um, never mind. Neil, you'll have to follow along. I've got it turned on, by the way. He's coming to check. All right. Giving people extra time to find John chapter 20. Oh. Okay. We have an announcement <laughs> that's just popped in. Life is Diner's Luncheon. The next Life is Diner's Luncheon is on Wednesday. No one heard that. 20th of April at GV Hotel, Shepparton, starting at 12.30. So if you want to find out any more details, see Lindsay Black over there. Uh, an enjoyable lunch and get-together. Confirm your attendance with... Lindsay or Ruth, uh, so that your booking can be confirmed at the GV. So that's the Life is Luncheon, the next one on the 20th of April, coming up. All right. Easter Sunday. Look at that. I'm going to get it right one day. You know that. All right. The empty tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. How many people know who the disciple Jesus loved is? It's John. So the, the author of the gospel likes to refer to himself as the one Jesus loved, which I think is quite beautiful. But I think there's, there's some sometimes humorous things in this, which we'll see as we go. So the one Jesus loved, which as you're reading it, you can read that as yourself as well. You are the one Jesus loves as well. So I think that's quite beautiful. Anyway, so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I, I love that John thought that was important. Well, I got there first. He thought that was necessary to include in his gospel. I think that's quite, that's quite funny. Um, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. 
Finally, the other disciple, who, by the way, had reached the tomb first, just in case you missed it earlier, also went inside. He saw and believed. Okay? They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, or Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. It's a pretty incredible passage. It's repeated in all four Gospels, the resurrection of Jesus. I take the position that this event is the most important event in history. Not just for a Christian. This is the most important event in history. Because let's be honest. If it turns out that for some reason, some of the other miracles we read about in the Gospels didn't happen. Now, I happen to believe they all happened. But if it turns out that they didn't, I don't think they would impact on my faith. Like if there was one or two, or maybe when he healed someone, it might have meant something else. I'm just speculating. But if this one didn't happen, then it is all over. If it turns out that the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, then Christianity is false. Our entire belief system hinges on this one event. Paul says something to this effect in his first letter to the Corinthians. He says this, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. It all hinges on this event. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he, if, but he did not raise him if, in fact... The dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Futile meaning pointless. Just, it's, it's a sham. If Christ did not raise, the whole thing is over. Even atheists know this. Richard Dawkins says it all boils down to the resurrection of Jesus. The whole thing is over. 
Paul actually later on says in the same passage, then if there's no resurrection for us, then we of all people are the ones most to be pitied. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If it's true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So either the resurrection happened or it didn't. It couldn't half happen. Like it, it happened or it didn't. And if it happened, it is the most significant event in all of history. If it didn't happen, I'm going to be honest, we're wasting our time. You can follow me out the door. Every church in the world would shut down if this was a non-event. So how do we know it's true? If you're having a chat with someone and they're like, oh, I just don't believe all that stuff, how, how do you know? And you can tell them that you've, you know, read in the Bible or you have faith. But how many people know that that's not always going to be received well? So I'd like to present for you today five facts about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I read about these facts several years ago, and it took some notes. I'm pretty sure it was in a book by Lee Strobel. I, I tried to find exactly where I got it from. But in putting these five facts together, these are five indisputable facts. So you might be sitting there wondering, well, why do I believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Or you, you might find yourself frequently in conversation with someone who is also wondering if the resurrection actually happened. And so I'd like to present for you five facts, minimal facts concerning the resurrection of Jesus. And each one of these facts considers these two criteria. The first is there must be strong historical evidence that supports it. And the second, the evidence must be so strong that the vast majority of scholars and academic people, they accept it. Even the sceptical ones accept these facts. So we're going to start with the first one. Jesus was killed by crucifixion. I've spoken to many people who say, well, we don't know that Jesus was real, do we? I usually respond by saying, well, we don't know the earth is round, do we? Because if, if someone doubts that Jesus was a real person, it probably has as much credibility to me as someone telling me the earth is flat. No offense if there's anyone among you. But, but Jesus was a real person. There is so much evidence to suggest that he was a real person. But there's also heaps of evidence to suggest that he was killed by crucifixion. John Dominic Crossan, who's a liberal scholar, said that he was crucified is as sure as anything historical can ever be. The skeptic James Tabor said, I think we need have no doubt that given Jesus' execution by Roman crucifixion, he was truly dead. Gerd Ludemann, who's a, an atheist New Testament critic, that's his job, 
and Bart Ehrman, who's an agnostic, they, they call the crucifixion of Jesus an indisputable fact. Yes, it's in the Bible. Each gospel reports Jesus' death, but so do several non-Christian sources. Two historians, two very famous ones. There's a, uh, a Roman one called Tacitus, and he writes, he's not, not a friend of Jesus, he's not supportive of Christianity, but he writes that Jesus suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius. And the Jewish historian Josephus, who many of you might have heard of, of this one, also not a follower of Jesus, wasn't interested in promoting Christianity. But he said that Pilate condemned Jesus to be crucified. It's referred to in ancient Greek writings and pagan writings and in the Jewish Talmud. Jesus' death by crucifixion has got so much evidence attached to it. For those of you who've seen the Passion of the Christ or, or read any medical literature about crucifixion, you would know that the likelihood of surviving crucifixion was extremely minimal. It was, you know, execution. Josephus, the Jewish historian, reports three friends were crucified during the fall of Jerusalem. All three were removed from the cross and given the best medical attention offered by Rome. And two of them still died after receiving the best medical attention. There's no evidence that Jesus was given any medical attention. Certainly not the best Rome had to offer. There are some people that believe Jesus may have passed out on the cross. But I think it's quite clear that it's a fact that he died on the cross. It was very unlikely that he survived. Michael Lacona, who is a um, New Testament historian, he says, to deny the crucifixion and death of Jesus on the cross is to take a marginal position that would get you laughed out of the academic world. Now, these are, these are some pretty scholarly people who've spent a lot longer than I have examining this and researching this, and, they, and this is their take on it. It would get you laughed out of the academic world. So that's fact one. Jesus was killed by crucifixion. Let's have a look at fact number two. Jesus' disciples believed that he rose and appeared to them. Again, if you're having a conversation with someone who would be skeptical of all this, you can carefully word it like this fact has been carefully worded. Jesus' disciples believed well, they believed it. The person you're talking to might say, well, I don't think it's true. You say, that's fine, but they believed it was true. Anyone here know anything about Watergate, the political incident in America, the 70s, I believe it was? Here's a, a rather large quote by Charles Colson. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. 
Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And more than that, they were killed for it. And then they knew that they would be. I don't think the, the conspirators in Watergate were threatened with death and they still fessed up. But each of the disciples, with the exception of John, were martyred for their faith. They were put to death because they insisted they had seen the resurrected Jesus. They would not have willingly died for something they didn't believe to be true. And by writing the New Testament, they had nothing to gain if they were incorrect. And they had everything to lose if they were incorrect. A common question would be, well, haven't other people died for what they believe in? It's a good question. Many people throughout history have also died for what they believe in, but they can only have faith that their beliefs are true. If it happened in today's day, if a Christian was, you know, in the situation where they had to fess up and say that they were a Christian with the threat of death, if that person, you know, proceeded with that, that person would be dying because of their faith. The disciples were with Jesus. Does that make sense? We live 2,000 years after these events. The disciples were there. They weren't dying because of their faith. They ate with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They you know, touched Jesus. They spent time with the resurrected Jesus. So they knew because they were literally with him. We're not talking about a, a spiritual experience or a vision. They were literally with him. So they knew for a fact whether the resurrection had truly occurred. 1 Corinthians 15. This little passage written by the Apostle Paul was a, a, a creed that circulated from within a couple of years, about five years of the actual resurrection. And he says this, What I received I passed on to you. So he received this and he's included it in his, his letter as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, also as to one abnormally born. So we have here a list of names and quite a large number of people who claim to have seen the resurrected Jesus. Mass hallucinations don't happen. All right. If, if it was one person, it might have been a wishful thinking kind of thing, but 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. And as I said, this particular passage circulated within five years of the crucifixion. It was not something that over time became 
like a myth. It's something that was a known event at the time. The same New Testament critic that I mentioned before, he said it may be taken as historically certain, and he's very carefully wording this, may be taken as historically certain that Peter and the disciples had experiences after Jesus' death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. He's not going to go out there and say, well, they saw Jesus. He's, he's saying, well, they had an experience. They believed it at least. Paula Fredrickson from Boston University says, I know in their terms what they saw was the raised Jesus. That's what they say. And then all the historic evidence afterwards attests to their conviction that that's what they saw. So of our two facts, Jesus was killed by crucifixion and his disciples believed that they saw him alive again. Our third fact is the conversion of the church persecutor Paul. I'm just going to have some water. As many of you know, Paul used to be known as Saul. He had quite a radical name change. One letter. He was an enemy of the then new Christian church. He was an enemy of the Christian church. He himself declared that he was converted to a follower of Jesus because he had personally encountered the resurrected Jesus. He had quite an encounter. If you look that up, it's in the book of Acts. Now, if you're sharing this with someone, they might say, well, people convert to religions all the time. What's the big deal with Paul's conversion? Well, I'll tell you. Virtually all conversions to any religion are due to a message being heard from a secondary source. It comes from something other people have told you. Paul was transformed by a personal encounter. Jesus appeared directly to him. He was not a friend of the Christian movement. He wasn't having a wishful thinking moment. He wasn't on his way going, Gee, I hope I bump into some Christians. I hope I bump into Jesus. He was not desiring that at all. If, if you know the story, he was on the way to, to probably beat some up and throw them into jail. So he wasn't having a moment of grief. He opposed the Christian movement. And from all accounts, he was, you know, on his own and Jesus appeared to him. I'm not sure he had someone with him or not. And I'm not sure he was on a horse either. Some people believe he fell off a horse, but there's no, no mention of the horse. That one's for you, Darren. Yeah. Um, the best explanation here of what happened to, to Paul is he's telling the truth when he says he's met the risen Jesus. He had no reason for that. Again, Michael Lacona, the New Testament historian, said he had nothing to gain in this world except his own suffering and martyrdom for making this up. Can you imagine the impact of Saul going back to his people and saying what had happened to him? Can you imagine that? What did he have to gain by becoming this recent convert? And can you also imagine the disciples... How they would have greeted him when he would have knocked on their door. Going, oh, it's you. Like, 
No, he's like, no, 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 I'm on your side now. Can you imagine that? It would have been intense. It would have been absolutely intense. Another conversion is of James, the skeptic James, who is Jesus' half-brother. The Gospels of Mark and John report that none of Jesus' brothers believed in him. None of Jesus' brothers believed in him. Same guy again, Michael Lacona. He says, people are not going to invent a story. This is for anyone that thinks that the Gospels are just made up. Why would they invent a story that's going to be embarrassing or potentially discrediting to them? It would be particularly humiliating for a first century rabbi not to have his own family as his followers. James was named in the Corinthians passage I read before as someone who'd seen Jesus. He may have also been involved in passing that that information on to Paul, therefore endorsing what it said about him. And after this encounter, James became more than just a Christian. He became a leader of the Jerusalem church. Both Christian and non-Christian sources attest to the fact that James died as a martyr. My fifth fact, Jesus' tomb was empty. Jesus was publicly executed and buried in Jerusalem. His resurrection was proclaimed in the same city. Peter declared to a crowd in Jerusalem, God has raised this Jesus to life. We are all witnesses of the fact. We are all witnesses. If there was someone in the crowd that hadn't seen it, do you think they might have spoken up? Interesting. It would have been impossible for Christianity to get off the ground in Jerusalem if Jesus' body was still in the tomb. The authorities would have only been too pleased to go to the tomb and show everybody. Stop talking about Jesus being alive. He's there in the tomb. Look, there he... Oh, no, he's not. They would have. They would have said, come and have a look. Even the enemies of the Christian movement, they knew the tomb was empty because they believe the disciples stole the body that proved that they knew that the tomb was actually empty so the question arises what if jesus body really was stolen scholars actually reject this claim even atheistic scholars just imagine that you're one of the disciples and you're in on this secret and you've got jesus hidden in your backyard buried You think you've gotten away with it. At what point do you, would have, do you think you would have confessed? They've killed all your friends and you're likely to be next. Do you think you would own up and say, okay, we've, we've made it all up. There he is. That's why it's a, a rejected claim. People don't believe that the body was stolen. Would they be willing to suffer continuously and die for what they knew was a lie? Because if it was not true, then they would have known it was a lie. But instead, they knew it was true. They'd seen the resurrected Jesus. So we've got these five facts, one after the other. Jesus was killed by crucifixion. Jesus' disciples believed that he rose and appeared to them. It was the conversion of the church persecutor Paul and the conversion of the skeptic James, Jesus' half-brother. And Jesus' tomb was empty. Josh, coming here. Thanks. What is your conclusion concerning Jesus' tomb? 
on Easter morning. What is it for you that you find the most convincing? I know for many people here, they have had personal experiences. And I find that to be incredibly convincing on a personal level. But the reasons I've presented these five facts to you is that sometimes our personal experiences don't necessarily translate well to someone else. And I've heard many people say to me, well, I haven't had that experience. So maybe these five facts will help you. Maybe these five facts will encourage you as well. If you're wondering about this event that changed history. The whole issue of the resurrection can be reduced down to two questions. Did Jesus die? And was he later seen alive? And what was at stake? What happened? There's plenty of information in the Gospels about how it happened and then, you know, throughout the, the letters of the New Testament. If someone asks you, how do you know Jesus is everything he said he was? Well, you start with your personal testimony and you throw in those five facts as well. I'd like to invite you to stand, please. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've just found your way into to church this morning or someone's brought you here or, or if you're watching online and, and you're not sure about what this is all about, I'm going to say a prayer in a moment and I'd like everyone here today to repeat the words with me. And this prayer will involve you inviting Jesus into your heart. Because as Christians, we, we do believe that Jesus rose again and that he is still alive. And the idea of someone resurrecting after three days may seem quite unusual. But these five facts that I presented today are indisputable. Some other facts that I can tell you is that Jesus loves you. And he went through all of this for you. So that you can experience heaven. So that you can have access to the throne room of God. Jesus showed us a better way to live. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'll get you all to repeat after me. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus for me to die on a cross and bear the sin of the world and that you did that for me. I thank you that you laid down your majesty in heaven and came to earth in human form. the word of God made flesh. I thank you that you rose again and defeated death. I come before you now and I ask for you to forgive me of all my sins. I lay my life before you choose to follow you. I thank you that you live in me and I will follow you all the days of my life. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, please come and catch up with me afterwards. It doesn't mean you've signed up for anything or, you know, you might be from out of town but it would be great for you to get plugged into a local church somewhere. If you're watching online, please write to the Facebook group. You can do it publicly if you wish, but you can also write a private message and someone will reply to you. We would love to connect with you. Other than that, Thank you for coming today. I hope you have a wonderful Easter Sunday with your family doing whatever you're doing. We'll have tea and coffee in the foyer. Hang around. Say hi to someone you don't know. Travel safe and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.